What's really going on in the heads and hearts of the humans around you? I'm Mads Grummet, journalist, entrepreneur and startup investor. And I'm Sabina Reid, psychologist, speaker and media commentator. And this is Human Cogs, a podcast about the universal experiences that really matter and the candid conversations we need to have to share them. If you like Human Cogs, we'd love you to hit subscribe and please leave us a star rating. That way we can keep bringing you more stories from Extraordinary Ordinaries to help us all do human well. How do you make sense of the profound loss and shock experienced when a close friend suicides? If you're anything like Gus Warland, you use your ability, passion, humour and networks as a television and radio personality to start the mental fitness charity Gotcha for Life. But Gus is done with just awareness raising and instead helps teach men how to build their mental fitness and ensure everyone has at least one mate, a go-to person who can be relied on to share the hardships of life, even during times that feel unbearable. While you may know Gus as the host of the ABC series Man Up or as Hugh Jackman's bestie, or maybe from many years on Breakfast Radio on Triple M in Sydney. In this conversation, we meet the man behind the media, a man with heart and soul who is dedicated to preventing men's mental health issues with the goal of zero suicides. Here's my chat with Gus. Gus Wallen, welcome to Human Cogs. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You know, one of the questions that we ask humans every day, and I just asked you, how are you? I'm well. I'm very well. It, it is. It's a question we ask every day, but we very rarely want an answer. We just want, yeah, good, and and, the, and that to pass and to move on. But actually, I'm having a good day. I actually sent out a couple of messages last week to some friends of mine, and I just said, quick check-in, give me a mark out of 10. And I sent it to actually a couple of people that you and I know, and I got three out of 10, one out of 10, seven and a half, eight. And it was just a, such a simple thing. And the honesty when someone writes back a three or a one, which then obviously starts a conversation, it's a phone call, it's a more text message, however they want to do it. That's real. And that's being vulnerable and it's being authentic. And I think being authentic is certainly something that I've worked out in the last few years is what people want and what people need. We don't have enough of that in our lives. So um, I never ask a question. I don't want to have a half an hour conversation with the answer. So don't ask if you don't want to sit and listen if it's not the answer you want. That's a it's a really good point because we we say how are you, but when we're not really waiting for the answer, and we're not even curious about the answer. So I'm <laughs> going to ask you out of ten, where are you at today? Um, when I sent that message out a few days ago, I said to everyone I was a seven and a half. Today I reckon I'm an eight and a half. I've got a I've already done one podcast. I was looking forward to seeing you today down the line. Uh, and then I've got a seminar, which I'm doing at one o'clock before my radio show. So it's a good day today. Lots of chatting, lots of interesting people to talk to. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going well. I'll give myself an eight and a half today. How are you going out of 10? <laughs> well, as I declared with you, I was having a tech issue before we got online. And it's funny, isn't it? A tech issue is not life or death, and I mean that seriously, but I think when our baseline is at a lower level, then even the smallest hiccups can push us 
you know, to a, to a lower score if you want to use the, the out of 10 analogy. So I think my load, the honest answer, my load is really full at the moment. And so then when I couldn't work my roadcaster, it's, it's agitated me. And, yeah. And, and the thing, the thing is, it's recording now, it'll be fine, but you wanted to make sure it was right. You wanted to make sure that it was professional. And, and I totally understand that, but Hopefully by the time we've finished our chat, we might have bumped a few extra points up for you. Okay. All right. Well, how do you think, well, let's start. So you are the founder of uh, Gotcha for Life, which yeah. is a suicide prevention charity. Uh, yeah. It's an obvious question, but help our listeners understand for those who aren't familiar with Gotcha for Life, why you started this Yeah, charity. so I lost a friend of mine. Um, he was like a, oh, I still get emotional talking about it. I've spoken about him already this morning. So, um, and that sort of hit me a little bit too, but um, he was like a Superman without a cape. He was like he was like my father figure. My dad had left the family home when I was quite young, and I just adored this guy. He was a PE teacher, and when I did year ten work experience, I worked with him, and I wanted to be a PE teacher. Then he decided to change teaching, going to corporate. So I went, oh, I want to work with you in corporate, and did that for ten years at Toshiba, selling laptop computers back in the day when laptop computers were literally like. $10,000 each and only the bosses had them all the way through to when I finished at Toshiba, we gave the laptop away as long as you bought the dongle from Vodafone or Telstra or something. So I had the whole sort of 10 years of that growth and then not so much growth. Uh, and everyone has them now, of course. So this was a guy that I worked with. He gave me information and advice on friends, family, on my relationships. He was just the go-to guy for me in all parts of my life. And I was actually working for him in the UK at Toshiba UK and I heard that he had passed and I fainted, uh, smashed my head on the ground and broke my phone. So I didn't actually find out that he had taken his own life until an hour or so later. So it was a double whammy. And of course, I did what most men did, literally nothing, got drunk on the day of the anniversary, shouted at the sky, why, 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 that sort of conversation. And I told that story one morning on... Um, Triple M Breakfast Radio in Sydney. I did that show for nearly 11 years and I was really vulnerable with our audience that morning and I decided just to show a piece of myself that I hadn't really shown before because Triple M's very blokey, rock and roll, ACDC, sports chat, jokes, taking the piss and that's all we'd done pretty much for six years at that time and I went, I'm going to show a bit of myself today. Incredible amount of people phoned up and said, thanks for your story but can I now tell you my story? And it made me realise how many people are out there that are struggling holding on to stuff and not talking about the stuff that's really important to them. And they don't feel they've got permission. They don't feel they're safe. And so there's a lot of people wandering around worrying alone. And I, I basically started thinking about that. And I did a show called Man Up on the ABC. So for your listeners, if they want to watch it, it's still available on their streaming iView service. It's not an easy watch. Lots of emotion, lots of difficult questions. I'm basically on a journey talking to smart people about why men in particular take their own life, challenging masculinity. We lose seven blokes a day every day, two women every day, and we have 65,000 attempts of suicide every single year in this country. So that's one every 28 seconds. So it's just not good enough. So line in the sand time. So I was able to do the Man Up program, fell in love with trying to help, and then I started Gotcha for Life. And that's five and a half years on. It's all about suicide prevention. It's trying to get the suicide rate down to zero. And we've raised just over $11 million so far for people that work in suicide prevention. So I'm sick of awareness. I don't want people to talk about awareness anymore. Action, do something, change your life. 
don't keep thinking it's not going to happen to me because it might. So get off off your ass and it's not man up, shut up anymore. It's not woman up, shut up. It's 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 man up, speak up. It's woman up, speak up. It's time to do something different. We know stuff now. We know that the old rules aren't working for us. So let's change them a little bit. So that's that's my passion behind it, my friend. And now I'm sort of, as I said, six or seven years into it with the TV show and, and gotcha, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. What can we do? What can we do when you say, you, you know, no more awareness, it's time for action? Yeah. Well, actually, so people don't know the stats and those stats are shocking. You know, 65,000 attempts of suicide. Most of those are women, seven men every day. And the number one way to die if you're an Australian male, two females every day taking their life. So that's nine Aussies that woke up this morning that won't wake up tomorrow morning. And there's nine communities, there's nine sets of friends, families that are absolutely devastated, the ripple effect that goes through people when they take their own life. The best way to describe it is I've spent the last couple of years talking to people that have tried to take their own life, but they're still with us. There's three things that come out. One is they didn't want to die. Secondly, they were tired. And thirdly, they were in pain. So that gave me great a great sort of feeling that we can do something here because if you didn't want to die but you tried to take your own life but you're so tired and you're in so much pain if we can get to people before they're in too much pain or before they're too tired then we can stop those people from attempting and we can stand we can get the suicide rate down to zero so that's my great passion now is to give people the emotional muscle to get mentally fit so people talk about mental health it goes straight to the bottom of the barrel it makes people think that that's someone else's issue, someone else's problem, something in a movie or in a TV show. No, no, let's get mentally fit just like we need to get physically fit. And if that means you've got to go to the gym and get a little bit better, well, that's what we have to do. So what is the mental fitness gym? And that really is being vulnerable. That's being open to hard conversations, open to conversations where you feel a little bit out of control. But the more you do them, the more you practice them, just like your physical fitness, the more you do it, the more you stick at it, you will get fitter. And that's what I would like for people like you and me who are leaders um, out there talking to people in the media and so forth, show some vulnerability, let people know it's okay to be human. Mm. Let's throw away this perfect bullshit um, social media world and realise that it's okay to have ups and downs. That's feelings, that's being human. So we just need to be able to ride those and it's so much easier to ride them with a team around you, your village. And that's what I'm really working on at the moment is let's look after everyone's village. Like when was the last time you sat down and wrote down a list of the people that you love and adore and you cannot imagine living without? Like, Probably for, no, maybe, maybe for my 50th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, because you're like, who would like to come along? But at the end of the day, that's a party group. Like, who are the people that you absolutely yeah. love? Like, that small core, whether it's five people, 10 people, 15 people, whatever it might be, go to work on those people. Go to work on that village. Make sure that you can be human with them. Make sure you can be real with them because all these people that I talk to, they want to have these conversations, but they don't know how to have them. Like, are you okay? Fantastic. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a closed question. It's such an easy question to be able to brush off, especially for a bloke. So we need to start saying a conversation saves a life. That's one of Are You Okay Day's tags. It absolutely does. But no one knows how to have that conversation. No one knows how to start it. And sometimes it's just bumbling your way through it with snot running out of your nose and tears running out of your eyes. Just having a crack at having this conversation so much better than having it built up and built up and continually shoved down back into your guts again. So when you ask me what do we need to do, 
Well, work out who your village is and then go to work on them to make sure they're not worrying alone. And then you be vulnerable with them to let them know that you can have these conversations just amongst this group without any fear of judgment. What do people do if they don't know who's in their village? That's very. That's a really good question and one that I come across quite a bit because when I do these things at conferences, some people might come up to me after and go, I don't have anyone. Yeah. I don't have anyone in my village. And that was a real lesson for me too, to sort of make sure you realise there's all different people out there with all different circumstances. So my answer to that was, do you really not have someone? Can we really sit down and work out? And if you don't have anyone, then talk to talk to a professional. Mm-hmm. So much better, like start the ball rolling with your GP, get a mental health plan, and then go and find someone that you can talk to. Now, the thing about going to seeing a professional, and you'd know more th- about this than me, is that it takes perhaps an average of six counsellors or people to talk to before you find one that you connect with, before you find someone that you can feel like you can be totally honest with without any judgment. So you've got to stick at it. It's a bit like your physical fitness. It's hard work. Your body aches. It costs you money. It costs you effort, costs you discipline. But if you want to be mentally healthy, you've got to go through the process to find those people. Um, And it's not going to be easy. Um, But gee, it's worth it. I'd prefer to have these difficult conversations with friends and family or a professional than be writing out another eulogy. Mm. I think a lot of people I've heard clinic with my clinical psychologist had on, sometimes people come, clients come into sessions and they say, I don't know what I'm here to talk about. I don't have anything on my mind. And I was thinking about cancelling. And I think this is a really important point. And you're talking about mental fitness. And of course, when we go to the gym, you know, before we go to the gym or before we do an exercise class, we probably often have the same thought. What am I doing this for? I don't feel like this. And it's not a case of faking it until you make it, but I think it's a case of committing to self to go even though you don't feel like doing it. And inevitably, every time a client has said that, I still can't get them out the door at the end of the session because once they start talking, once you give yourself permission to drop into the space, we've all got I mean, I think everyone would benefit from an hour in therapy every week forever, not because they are um, in a in a in a deep, dark place, but to spend time with self, to explore our own questions, to give ourselves permission to have those conversations that often we don't make time for or we don't feel worthy of. or So I don't even see therapy as an acute space necessarily. Mm. Um, and perhaps in the preventative space that you're talking about and that Gotcha for Life is, is hoping to dial up, that these regular conversations, as you say, with a professional or with a mate, um, uh, a really key ingredient to mm. continuing to flex that that muscle. The other thing that's coming up for me listening to you is I had a client who said to me, um, I'm, go- I'm going to swear, I don't know how else to do this. She said, and I thought you were Cinder Fuckinrella. <laughs> really stuck with me. This she said that in the, you know, in a humorous way, but there was some truth to it that she was perceiving something, and it's difficult as a as a therapist, as a psychologist. We were trained in the early days not to be vulnerable, not to share self. That it was more of a one way and tr- not transaction, but one way exchange. Yeah, um, and that doesn't sit well with me at all. Okay. I don't because no ch- one you're, is. You're a chitter chatter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, but hopefully not in, in, in therapy in the same way that I am with you. Every human is dealing with stuff. So, of course, I'm not Cinder fucking Rella. I've got all the same, you know, questions and vulnerabilities and foibles and 
pain points that everyone has. And I guess it was just an, it was just an, an awareness that I had, hadn't thought about before, how we perceive one another and pe- especially with a professional hat on. Absolutely. Well, I get a thousand messages a day and that's every day, bar none, um, through the radio station or through Messenger in particular. I had 980 odd this morning when I, when I looked it up and then I know Triple M will have sent me through a whole heap because of Mental Health Day yesterday. I did a piece talking about village and so forth. So it stirred it up. But at the end of the day, people, you become a beacon for people with the work you do on radio, the work that you do in the media, all of a sudden you've got all the answers, right? And you look like you have got your shit together. So all of a sudden you're this person that can help everyone. And it's nice to be that person, but it's also exhausting and it's also impossible to actually get back to all these people as well. So putting processes in into my life to make sure these people at least get some sort of message from me just is okay, but it makes me feel like I'm failing these people that are genuinely calling out for help and so forth. So we do need to look after ourselves as much as um, we look mm-hmm. after other people and we always put ourselves last. And um, that's why it's so important for me this morning to get up at sort of 5.30 and walk with a mate of mine and just go and just get it all out. And he was like, okay, you hog today. Like you, you gave it a lot today. And I'm like, Okay, well, your time next time. And there's been plenty of times where he's hogged it as well. And it's all about just loving each other and having a hug at the end of it and saying, hey, mate, I'm glad you you feel, you know, safe enough to talk to me about this stuff. That So many blokes in particular that I speak to, they want to have the convo, but they don't know how to have it. So let's teach them how to start it at least because um, blokes will talk to the cows come home if you give them the chance and in a safe environment where the ladies are always spoken about, oh, the girls can talk about anything. Well, they might be able to, but blokes can too. We just need to build that place for them to do it. So what's the first thing? Because th- there are some socialised barriers for men, the way, you know, be a man and um, don't cry man about up. that. And Yeah, man up. I mean, you've, you've lived the last seven, eight, nine years talking about this. How do we break down that barrier well, I think we're slowly but surely doing it anyway. I think young people are more likely to have those convos than perhaps their parents, so that's a really good start. I haven't seen a young kid have a handshake with another young kid for about 10 years. They all hug each other now and there seems to be that feeling that they can be a bit more vulnerable and so forth. So we are getting there slowly but surely, but as I, my dad said when I got into this, he goes, it's like turning around the QE to this, you know, it's going to take generations. I went, well, if we don't start now, then we won't start turning the boat around So it's a big journey, you know, and chats like this, someone might listen and go, oh, that's something, and that might trigger something. So the more we talk about it, the more we make it real, the more we take away the stigma. I mean, who would want to be involved in the number one way to die as an Australian male is suicide and not do something about it? Mm. Like every time you talk to people about that, they're just like, I had no idea, really? And then they Google it. They said, I didn't believe you, and they Google it, and you go, wow. Okay. And then I go, well, when was the last time you checked in on your village to make sure that none of your village are these people that are in pain and tired? And they're like, oh, no, they'd be fine. I'm going, well, that's what I thought about my friend too. So don't take these relationships for granted. What do you wish you'd done differently? Do you want to share your friend's name, Gus? Yeah. So he was a Gus as well. So he's, he's, he was actually Angus, Angus Roberts. He had status inside of work, status outside of work. He was a president at Palm Beach Surf Club. He was head of sales at Toshiba, married with three children, and he took his life on the on the third and final child's HSC, so final day of school. 
And he actually dropped into the pub, dropped a $50 note and said, buy everyone around and make sure you get home in a cab and uh, took his own life. And Henry was the son that, that, that finished school that particular day. And he's now got four coffee shops in New York, one in Austin, Texas. He's got an American wife, two beautiful little boys. Like there's been nine grandchildren amongst Angus's three kids that he hasn't seen. It took his wife 10 years to find love again. It completely shattered her. So what I'd really like to say to him is like, mate, you helped everyone else else out. You gave advice on workarounds at work, relationship stuff, whatever it was, you were the go-to guy. Just find one of us. If it wasn't me, just find one of us to stick your hand up and ask for help because, gee, we miss you, mate. You know, I'd love to give anything to have a beer with him or a cuppa. Um, he made a decision based on a temporary situation, Yeah, you know, but that decision was permanent. Yeah, And there's just nothing we can do about it now. And I go to... There's like a little plaque, a memorial plaque um, down there at the surf club. And I go there every anniversary in November and I just talk to him, you know, and I hope he's proud of what I'm trying to do now to make sure that people aren't doing it like what he did. But um, I'd give anything to, to have him back and to ask for help. When I last saw him, I was in England when he passed. So, but he left Friday drinks at work and apparently he was the life of the party. It was great. It was happy days. But that's what happens a lot. You know, blokes come across, put the mask on and make out that everything's okay when they're not. Um, every, a lot of blokes who take their own life are actually the happiest dancing on the tables at the party the night before type guys because they've actually made the decision they're going to do it. So they're relaxed and the pressure and the strain is gone. They've got a solution to their pain. But going back to all these people that I've spoken to, the 2,136 that I've spoken to, those people, they just wanted out of that life. Yes. It's not their actual life. They just wanted yes. out of the life that they were in at the time. I, I wanted, that's what, yeah. That's what we need to get. That's what we need to get to is have enough emotional muscle just to tag one of your mates and go, oh, mate, I'm faking it till I make it. You said it earlier. Mm. You know, I, I, I'm going no good. You know, mm. you need to help me. And, and then for that person to listen, to respect it, and then not try to fix it, just be part of the solution, get some professional help, get the support that they need. Mm. I think sometimes as a friend and, you know, someone in your tribe, you, our role is to hold hope when that person can't hold their own. Mm -hmm. And that's a temporary strategy. But I like, I, I've used those words with friends before, whether they're, or people in my world who, whether they're feeling suicidal or, or just having a bad day, sometimes knowing that someone else can carry your load well, you can't, is enough just to get you to the next point and then to facilitate help. And so I think it's important for our listeners to know that it's often small incremental changes that we're offering and that we're creating and facilitating as opposed to a one-stop shop solution. Because mm -hmm. as a friend or a professional, the idea that you have the answers or that you can solve someone's significant pain and, and challenges is is not realistic and I think it might be one of the barriers that stops us from reaching out because we feel helpless. Yeah, absolutely. It's just small little steps. It's, if we talk about mental fitness, it's like going to that gym that first time, you know, you're not quite sure whether you straddle it or back into the machine. You're like, I've sat there before going, i got no idea what to do here. And then some fit bloke goes, just turn around, mate, like back into it and then you move it that way. I'm like, got it, you know. But it's that little bit of support and that personal trainer who's just really lovely to start with and then a week or so in is going, okay, enough, let's go here, you know. Like it's like little steps and you can't do it by yourself. That's what life is so much better with other people, whether it's friends or family or whether it's a professional. 
this is hard. This is not easy stuff to do. So we've been told all our lives, men in particular, we've got learnt behaviour to shut up and get on with it. So we have to unlearn that, then learn the new stuff. That's not easy, mm. especially for blokes sort of in their 30s, 40s and 50s. But we owe it to these youngsters as well. We have way too many youngsters making this decision at the moment. We had a seven-year-old up in Roma. I was there last week, seven years of age. There was a 10-year-old. There was a 13-year-old, all in the last few weeks that I know of. And I was just like, how do they even have that as an option? How do they even understand that that is an option? You know, so we just need to let these people know, let these kids know that it's okay just to talk about your feelings. And mums and dads showing a bit of vulnerability might have let them, let yeah. the kids know that it's okay not to have all the answers. Yeah. The other thing that people have said to me when I've asked, and, and I think this is another tip, uh, is to actually ask, are you feeling suicidal? Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to ask that question. They think that by asking the question, they'll plant the seed. But, you know, if I ask you, do you feel like Thai tonight? It's not, you're not necessarily going to want Thai because I've asked you. You can't plant the seed for someone who's not, you know, driven in that direction, whatever the direction is. So yeah. that direct question is important. And when I've asked many, many people that question over the years, most people say, I don't want to feel like I feel anymore. I don't want to be in this pain or this situation anymore. I don't want to suicide, but I don't know what else to do. Mm. That's yeah. a pretty honest and vulnerable response. Oh, if you got that response, then you're away. You're away to the races. You go, okay, beautiful. <laughs> you know, that's great. But you very rarely get that type of, they just don't know most of the time. You know, they just want whatever this is to go away and they don't quite know how to do it. And for some people, it could be 20 minutes, you know, like some men, literally the relationship breaks up or a business goes down the tubes, 20 minutes later, they're dead. For other people, it's years and years of hanging on and clawing and trying to keep the relationship together or trying to keep the business together and highs and lows and human life and everything that's happening. And eventually they're just exhausted and in pain and go. So find someone to talk to when you're starting to go down that path, but also realise that it's good to have good things with people too, to celebrate stuff with people. So have your village around you that goes through the ups and downs with you is really what Gotcha for Life is about, is finding those people that won't judge in and can help you when things aren't so flash, but you can celebrate with when things are going good. Like the last time you and I saw each other, fantastic <laughs> celebration at the 21st, having a fantastic time, like, you remember those occasions yeah. and go, that was fantastic, you know, and that just fills up your cup to allow you to go out and do this type of work that you and I do. So, you know, it's good and bad. It's not always got to be um, doom and gloom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm coming back to this idea, though, that you're all about the tribe and we know connection. I think connection, human connections, probably our, our greatest oxygen in surviving and thriving is mm. connecting to other humans. And if... We talked about some people don't have people in their in their tribe. Does Gotcha for Life do anything to facilitate tribal connections? Yeah, we do. We do. We have one of our program partners. We give most of our money to is actually a program called Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow Woman. And that is putting together groups of people that can actually learn what the rules are to be a man and a woman today compared to when the rules were set all those years ago. So that's our main focus. That's that action piece. So if you can put it into some sort of process, I come in 
bang the door down, icebreaker conversations, tell people the stats, let them know that we can use technology. You don't have to have that face-to-face to start these combos. And then let's tool you up. Let's give you the information you need to be a man and a woman today compared to when the rules were set. So that's when Tomorrow Man and Tomorrow Woman come in. And there's years of modules and subjects that are available for that. And that's when you get your tribe and village all together like we had 256 blokes at avalon surf lifesaving club a couple of weeks ago 160 women at the tomorrow woman program the following night that happens all the time all around the country so and they're freebies we want to offer that for people for nothing um and then there's other ones that corporations and sporting clubs and communities also purchase as well which is how we keep ourselves um, afloat so that's that action piece that i was talking about we can talk about stuff to the cows come home but you need to give people you know the skills to be able to start these conversations which will allow them not to worry alone do you think zero is a realistic uh goal zero i've been been hammered by by me saying that but when i say this to you then please tell me if you can disagree with me is that do you want to be that person that walks down the garden path knocks on the door and tells someone they've lost a loved one to suicide no, of course not. So that that's one. So if one is too many, what's under one? It's got to be zero, right? Mm. So for me, of course, it's going to be a long struggle, but I really want it to be zero suicide. So why not have a crack at that, even knowing that it might be impossible? But last year we had a 5.4% drop. We went down 170 people. So if we do that again next year, then the year after, we will eventually get there. Um, and I know it's simpler to say that than being done, but... Um, I'm up for the challenge. Yeah, of course you are. And I'm I'm there right there with you, not just on the side of the dance floor, but moving towards <laughs> that goal as well, Gus. You know, after this conversation you said at the beginning, well, let's see if we can bump up your bump up my score out of 10 and my yeah. score. I don't know what my score was when I was all agitated with my roadcaster and technology, <laughs> which is so not my sweet spot. Yeah. Um, but this is my sweet spot, is having conversations that we don't have enough of with people that are fabulous, who I adore, who I'm inspired by, and that's that's you and the work that you're doing. So definitely my out-of-score 10 has risen in, in having this conversation and it's only 30 minutes um, I guess in some ways this is modelling what what we can do in 30 minutes. Exactly. You can do it in five minutes. Like we got there in a couple of minutes because once we worked out that it doesn't matter about the stupid machine um, <laughs> recording, we worked out that we can do it. And it's just you and I having a chat and being human, no, no um, bullshit social media. We just chatted, which is fantastic. So looking forward to seeing you at Christmas. I'm coming down. I'll be there after the Boxing Day test. So hopefully I'll see you down at Point. Oh, you sure will. I can't wait, Gus. Yeah, thanks again for your time and and all the good work you're doing. Gotcha for life. Just brilliant. No problem. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Human Cogs. We hope that this conversation has led you to think a little bit differently about yourself and those around you. And thank you for all the amazing feedback that we get about these conversations. If you do like Human Cogs and what we're doing, we would love you to hit subscribe and please leave us a star rating. What that means is we can keep bringing you more stories from Extraordinary Ordinaries to help us all do human well.